Yo, welcome to Give Me Loot, man. What's up to everybody out there? Um, damn, that was my man Jules from um France. I was at the house rap. You know what I mean? Shouts out to all my people over there in Europe. How y'all doing, man? You know, let me tell you, I really fuck with Europe. And I fuck with how just raw they've been with the podcast. And they've just been tuning in um, all over Europe. Been tuning in. Um, not as big as the American fan base I got. But they do tune in. And I do fuck with them. That was Jules. Um, I'm not sure. I think the song is named Argentine or some shit like that. Um, I will put it in the description so you could check that shit out. It's a dope track. Um, yeah, man. A lot of season one, I played a lot of UK rap. Uh, I try to play a lot of UK stuff, you know what I mean? Because I feel like sometimes those guys, they don't get a fair shot. And they're raw. Fucking raw. Um, French guys, raw. I don't know about German guys. I haven't really heard of their music. But um, definitely the brothers in Ghana with the whole Ghana drill rap, they're raw. Um, Yeah, I just got to keep on digging in the crates and... It's just that sometimes I don't be having time, man. I just don't be having time. I'm just so busy when it comes to a lot of things. And I'll get into that uh, later in the pod. But it's just that I be so busy. So it's hard for me to catch up on music and do it. But, you know, I try to um, get deep and do music. And that's because, you know, this podcast was birthed out of being somewhat of a music podcast. Um, so I do try to listen. Little Dirk got an album that dropped. Benny the Butcher got an album that dropped. Um, who else? You know, we still got since the last pod, still got Little Baby. Sorry, excuse me, The Baby and Young Boy Project together. I did catch some of that. Kodak album dropped a few weeks ago. Um, I did catch some of that. Uh, who else dropped? Oh, shit. Crooked Eye and Joel Ortiz. You know, they used to have a group together with Joe Budden and uh, Royce Five Nine called Slaughterhouse. And this album is called The Rise and Fall of Slaughterhouse. Um, they put that project out. came out on the 11th or whatever case may be. Um... I don't know. That's a whole nother thing. It was really spicy between Joe Budden and Joel Ortiz. I love Joel Ortiz from back in the day. I haven't listened to him, I'm not going to lie, in years. But definitely back 
when he was like coming out, like when he was doing this is hip hop shit, like for purists, he was really like rapping for purists and things like that. He was signing Aftermath, uh, Yawa. That's what he used to say. Um, I always been a fan of him. Uh, I've been a fan of Joe Budden. Uh, not really on the podcast tip. I do tune into some of his podcasts because I think that Joe has great, like, great conversations, great tips, and things like that. I do tune into some when I can, when I'm not busy. Um, but I definitely am a fan of Joe as a rapper. Uh, it's surprising because a lot of people don't really respect him as a rapper. And but but you know what it is? I understand it. And coming from New York. Being in New York when Pump It Up came out in the early 2000s, seeing how that was just so, like, influential to, like, that whole New York summer scene. Because back in the day, in the summertime in New York, every summer from, and it started from, like, uh, Summer Jam, Hot 97, it just, it was like a season for hip-hop at that time, and, um... Just seeing him take over that one summer is, you know, I have a special place in my heart for Joe Budden as a rapper. Um, and just, I think, a few tracks he had where he goes off and he talks about his life and his sons and just uh, his drug addiction, his long-time drug addiction. Um, I, throughout the years, I really, you know, I really fuck with him. It just, you know, he's retired now and that whole spiel. But yeah. Slaughterhouse or whatever left the Slaughterhouse, they did drop they uh their album. Hopefully, um, they get more out of it and they get what they wanted. Um, I don't necessarily agree with it. I kind of agree with Joe and uh and Royce that uh it should have had. If if you're going to do an album together, sure, Joel and Crooked Eye should do an album together. I don't think people would care, right? I think with the whole. Slaughterhouse thing I think it got people To care And I think They need, they used it As a springboard But it's kind of Fucked up Because It was a group Of four people And for you to use Something as a springboard When the other two members Even though Joe's retired um, They didn't use it As a springboard But you did It kind of looks tacky It's like Damn if you do Damn if you don't But the first one to draw Is the first one to win And I think Crooked Eye and Joel Ortiz, they just draw the whole shit first. And, you know, it is what it is. What can we say? Um, I think for the music tip, that's all who dropped. Uh, I have to get caught up on those albums and really listen to it. Oh, King Von, they dropped the posthumous album of him. Um, I just had to get caught up. You know, I haven't really been in the music mood. Um, just... Getting through life and just dealing with the complication of what life gives you. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Especially when you got things on your plate. It's a lot to handle. But, yeah. But as for the music tip, that's what I got. And um, it's not really reviews or nothing. But, you know, just to put it out there. And if you're interested in that type of hip-hop or whatever the case may be, go check those albums out. Um, what else I got to say? So, one thing I wanted to talk about, right? And, um, oh shit. You know, last week when I brought up the whole gas with Saudi and how America was hoping that, you know, Saudi Arabia, you know, become the one. Boy, was I half right and half wrong at the same time. 
Um, yo, so after I said that, right, Joe Biden called Saudi Arabia and basically he called them twice like, yo, let's do business. Because if you don't know, Saudi Arabia is tied into OPEC, which is like an agreement. Everyone has like this weird deal, right? And I'm not going to explain it too deep because then I become ignorant. So I'm going to explain what I know. Um, so Biden called Saudi Arabia like, yo, let's talk about this oil shit because America gas prices is going up. And they like, look, do give us a discount or do something with the oil to where we're getting it less so that way it could stabilize the gas prices. And Saudi Arabia was like, yeah, kick rocks. Like, we're not going to do no business with you. Mind you, Saudi Arabia and the United States have always been tied on some fuck shit. Like, right now, Saudi Arabia is helping a civil war in Yemen. Similar to how Russia is kind of helping the separatists in Ukraine fight the government in Ukraine. It's the same shit. I'm not even going to say similar. It's the same shit that's going on. It's going on in the Middle East, too. Um, what they don't want to tell you. Um, but America's like, you know, been doing like backdoor business with Saudi Arabia. Because Saudi Arabia, I mean, they're, I'm not going to call them pussy because they're not. They're reserved. They don't really bother no one in the light. But they do their dirt. But they're, they're kind of like, if I could consider them in the street, Saudi Arabia is the drug dealers. They're flashy. They're not pussy. But then they're not the tough guy. They're not the gangster that's on the block. They're just, yeah, they're them. And that whole region, Bahrain, Kuwait, that whole region... Dubai, America do business with those people. Saudi Arabia is the biggest country of that area that I named off all of those countries. Saudi Arabia is the biggest part. And America has protected Saudi Arabia in the past from the sharks, the Iran, the Syrians. We have protected that area, especially because that's where Mecca is. So when it comes to Islam, religion, and everything, Saudi Arabia is really important. It's golden land. So America has always somehow had an interest of protecting them from terrorism. And especially during the wartime. We had a, we just have a murky relationship with them. Anyway, we called them and we were like, hey. Yo, our gas prices are going up. Help us out. And they were like, eh, suck my dick. And the reason why they said that is because right now, the the president of Saudi Arabia, I don't or Prime Minister, I don't know, that the leader of Saudi Arabia, right? The kingdom of Saudi Arabia, he's now 
like under like trial like he's under investigation for or i can't i can just say a trial for a a murder of a journalist and you can look this up for yourself and it's evolving america and killing him in the fucking embassy or some wild shit like that or whatever so Saudi arabia is like look listen bitch if you want to talk to us joe biden you need to make sure that you Get us full immunity. That's what basically he wanted. He wanted full immunity and probably some money. And America's like, "Eh, no. He's like, well, suck my dick. Well, here's the thing when it comes to him, right? That OPEC, that whole shit, China's involved with that. America owe China money. So... And then Saudi Arabia has been getting good with Russia also. Now, historically, we could talk about Osama bin Laden, Saudi Arabia, and how that tied into the war in the 80s with Russia before America was beefing with Al-Qaeda. They had, Al-Qaeda was already beefing with Russia in the 80s. And they got beat. But it was kind of like a ceasefire thing. But now Saudi Arabia is cool with Russia. But America having sanctions on Russia. This shit is a big mess. So I was wrong right when I said that. Well, I was kind of right, but I was wrong. It didn't happen the way I said it was going to happen. Saudi Arabia don't want to do business with the United States. And I thought that they were more... I guess open to doing business. This is the shit we're going through. Wake the fuck up. You know what? They asked Biden why the gas prices is going up. And he lied. He said that it's because of the situation with Russia. Our gas prices going up have nothing to do with Russia. There's a bigger play at hand, right? Russia don't give us enough gas. Like it doesn't, it has nothing to do with our pipeline. Russia pipeline involves Europe. And when it closed down from Germany, and, and, and let me tell you this, Olaf Schultz, he's not really fucking saying anything. He's kind of like, he's kind of playing both sides. He's like, listen, listen, please relax. He ain't really talking no shit, right? He's not like that Lady Merkel, whatever the fuck her name is. He's not like her. She was really about the diplomacy shit. They got her the fuck up out of here. Oh, she said she stepped down or whatever. She says she didn't want to do it. But they were tired of her anyway, right? But, you know, this is the shit that I'm talking about, right? It's a lot of money. You have to follow the money. Do not follow the news when it comes to the war in Ukraine. Follow the fucking money because there's a lot of money at play. There's a lot of power and transfer of power at play. You know, speaking of transfer of power, I watched an interview with uh, Trump and the Nelk Boys on Full Sim Podcast. Um, very interesting podcast, right? Uh, it felt like Trump. I didn't like the questions they asked. I'm not going to judge them as podcasters. As you know, as all you know, 
When it comes to podcasting, I do this shit. This is me. I am a podcaster. Fool and fool. I'm not like Joe Rogan. He's a podcaster too, but he's a comedian podcast. I does this podcast shit. So there's certain rules right now where podcasting is in the growth, right? And it's growing crazy. Like the number, I think it's like 2.7 million podcasters, but a lot of them aren't active. And a lot of people start podcasters by the seventh episode, they quit or they don't want to do the work or they don't want to maintain it. We had a weird point where people see other people do it and they think that, oh, I could just talk into a mic and I could just do it, but it's not that easy. So I won't judge these guys because I don't know how they are. They could be really fun. Uh, the Nelk Boys have a big audience and they have done great things on YouTube and I really appreciate for who they are. So I'm, I won't speak on them as podcasters because I'm not going to lie. I only listened to one episode uh, and I would hate for people to judge me in this podcast if you only heard one episode and maybe I wasn't on point or maybe I was a little off, I would hate for people to judge me because maybe I'm on target seven out of ten times. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I don't really know, but I will give them the benefit of the doubt. They're interviewing the president or the... I won't, I won't call him the ex, maybe ex president. I don't know. I don't know what the, what it's called, but he he is a he was the president. So they, they probably have questions that they have to ask him, or that he preferred to be interviewed on, and those questions are highlighted points to get either the the media talking about the interview, or I'm sure he has a PR team or something that targets these questions because Trump is really a freestyler. When it comes to Trump, he's freestyles and nobody freestyles better than this motherfucker. But it's, I don't know. I don't know how, but it, it felt awkward from the the podcaster's point. But as for Trump, he did sound good. Uh, my overall thoughts on it, I felt that Trump was very tone deaf i thought he was extremely tone deaf i thought that trump was missing in action i felt like trump had spent so much time inside of this weird bubble that it's like i don't know like he it's, it felt like he was out of touch like he just missed a step or something and that comes from probably being hidden from the world and shadow banned and counts deleted i think that played into a part because you're pretty much not involved socially inside social media. So I don't know if that's really a thing, but it felt like it. Um, and I don't know if I want that person to be president. And I'm not saying this as a, uh, to be politically uh, divisive or anything. I'm just saying, I don't know if right now in my life, I want the next president to be missing a step. Or to not be aware or to not be on point. I don't know if I want that. And I don't want nobody like Joe Biden right now that's fucking drooling every time he fucking talks and this white shit on the corner of his mouth and he look like he's sleep and look like he got coal in his eyes and shit like that. I don't know if I want 
someone that looks like they take naps in the middle of the day, running the country while we about to be at war, probably, potentially. I, I don't know if I want someone like that. I don't know. And this is why I think that maybe both parties should come to the table with new people, or maybe we should open up to different people other than the gang of Democrats and the gang of Republicans. Maybe we should open it up to multiple people running so we can hear multiple different points of views and we can look into multiple different people that can bring multiple different things into society. That's where I'm at right now. But they took the episode off of YouTube. Um, They censored it. They took some of the clips down off of Instagram. It's ridiculous, you know, because it makes people, it makes me think, wow, how the fuck are we living in a time in America where things are being censored and how one side is being censored and the other side isn't? Why aren't we keeping the same fucking energy? But, you know, that's another topic. And this is not what this podcast is about. This podcast today is about Ryan fucking Coogler and Kim Kardashian. We're going to get into Ryan Coogler first. So in January... Director Ryan Coogler, who's known for directing Fruitfield Station, ironically, which is a story about uh, Oscar Grant from San Francisco being gunned down by police on New Year's Day. I watched this movie 10 years ago. Fucking ironic. This situation, this whole situation happened. He made a movie like that. He made a movie Creed. He made the movie Black Panther, and he's currently filming Black Panther 2. And I probably missed another film in there, but right now I'm not reading off anything. Um, My man Ryan Coogler went into a Bank of America in Atlanta, right? Because if you don't know, Black Panther is being filmed in Tyler Perry's studio in Atlanta. So he goes in and he hands the bank teller a note. Now, he's wearing... A mask, he has a beard, he has a roll-up scully on, he has a green hoodie and sunglasses, right? He looks like me on a fucking normal day. And this is why I'm kind of pissed off. And he holds, I guess he fills out the bank, and he fills out the bank slip and gives the bank slip to the bank teller with his ID and his debit card. And on the bank slip, it says a note. I would like to withdraw $12,000 cash from my checking account. Please do the money count somewhere else. I would like to be discreet. That's all the fucking letter said. And I guess the lady asked him a few questions and he's like, hey, ma'am, can you please look at the fucking note? And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. And she goes away. So he's waiting at the counter. And this is from his perspective, I'm telling. And I'm going to tell the other side, too. He's waiting at the counter. In about five minutes, ten minutes, police come. And they pull out their guns. And they're like, hey, put your hands behind your back. And he's like, what's going on? Put your hands behind your back. They arrest him. And the bank teller lady is like, good job, officer. 
Now, let's look at the perspective from the bank teller. Now, the bank teller, she asked a question. What do you want me to do? He said, look at the note. So she looks confused and she takes the note to the back with his ID and his debit card to the back. She goes to her manager. She says, hey, there's a problem. And the manager's like, well, what do you want me to do? She was like, well, I don't know. It's, I feel uncomfortable. I feel scared. So the manager said, well, call the police. Meanwhile, Mr. Coogler is waiting outside. He's waiting by the desk or whatever the case may be. And the lady gets on the phone and she makes a call. And this is the call. Customer passed me a note. And so I just told my manager I didn't feel comfortable. So he told me to call police while he, I guess, stalled. What is on the note, ma'am? Um, it just says I want to withdraw $12,000. Um, just be discreet. Is this an actual customer or are they trying to rob the bank? They had a debit card and he inserted it. He gave me a California ID, but I was like, okay, um, I was like, how do you, I was like, how do you want the cash back? And he's like, just look at the note. And he had no weapons, correct? Not that I know of. He just has on black sunshades and a black, uh, um, a black hat. Is he a black male, white male? He's a black male. And every time I ask him, like, a question, he's like, look at the note. So, okay. But he inserted his debit card, and then I asked for his ID. He handed me his ID as a California ID. But I didn't look at his name because I'm just, like, so sugar. Like, I don't know what he's trying to do. So I just told him, give me one moment. You know, I have to get my manager. Okay, so none of his information was even verified. Okay. He might just want to be discreet, but I have police around. Yeah, I mean, he might. It's just being weird. Even the 911 operator knew this was some bullshit. She said he might want to be discreet. Now... I don't know this lady who called the police and I'm very fucking frustrated at her. And the reason why I'm frustrated is because of two things. One, she's black. She's a black woman. And two, she just did some racist shit. And that's the same type of white supremacy that she just practiced that have been getting black men killed. Arrested, humiliated. The same movie that he directed 10 years ago could have happened to him that very same day. This is the real shit. And black men like me, when we see situations like that, it makes us nervous. It makes us paranoid. Rightfully so, because shit like this continues to happen and black people like her continue to allow it to happen with their bullshit. I'm tired of it. If he really tried to rob you, 
he wouldn't give you his credit card and ID. Where is the manager? If you had a problem with him, why didn't you send the manager out to go speak with him? To go really find out what the fuck is going on? Nah. Nah, man. She used implicit bias against that man because apparently she saw some fucking movie or some weird shit and she decided to practice it in real life. If he was really trying to shoot you and gun you down for some money, he wouldn't be waiting at the counter as you go in the back. He would have tried to jump over the counter or get another teller attention to get the job done because he knows that if he's waiting there, the police will come if he was really trying to rob the bank. This is the shit I'm talking about. Now, it makes me mad because it could happen to me. And that's why it makes me mad because I see myself in this situation. He's dressed in a hoodie with, with a mask on, sunglasses, and a rolled up hat with an afro. He looks like me when I don't get my hair cut. He looks just like me. Little skinnier, but he looks like me. Yeah, man, it, it, it irks me. And, and her name haven't been put out. And the reason why her name haven't been put out and she haven't been dragged by the internet is because she was a black woman. Because if she was a white woman, best believe they would have dragged her ass. They, they would have been her name out, her everything about her, it would have been out on the internet. But that just goes to show you how much the internet is full of shit and how everybody pretends to be in favor with people. It just depends. That just show, This is just a prime example. Yo, I'm going to send my prayers out to Ryan Coogler and I hope that he get through this because the amount of stress that went through my body just now hearing the tape again, the amount of stress went through my body when I heard what he went through and to know it could happen to me because I don't have big money like Ryan Coogler. I'm not famous like him. So if it happens to me, no one knows my story. If I get killed in the bank like that, no one knows my story. So I send my prayers out to the king, man. I, I truly do. Um, Let's move on. Next topic I wanted to talk about was Kim Kardashian. So the internet went crazy this week about Kim Kardashian. And it's because... Uh, and let me say this. I just got on Twitter that morning and I saw Kim K and I clicked it and it said Kim K said women get to work. And it was a bunch of fucking women with blue check marks, famous women and all it is. I know Jamil Hill was saying how, you know, it's, it's nice to say when you, you know, you came from money, you moved from a smaller mansion to a bigger one or whatever the case may be. Some slick shit she said. I thought it was pretty, pretty funny, but. She, it was it was just a bunch of people coming at her, and then you know a bunch of people writing about it. But this is what she said, and I was like, okay, I. But I really wanted to know what did she say? Did she actually just say that line, like get to work? No, she had said a bunch of lines, and but I, I wanted to hear it for myself. So here it is. I have the best advice for women in business: get your fucking ass up and work. It seems like nobody wants to work these days. You That's have to, so true. You have to surround yeah. yourself with people that want to work. Have a good work environment where everyone loves what they do because you have one life. No toxic work environments and show up and do the work. So 
she put that out, right? And some people felt some type of way about it. Like, I guess she was talking about women and how they don't work enough. And, you know, I think where we're coming from in society today, I think we have a problem with the messenger. You know, I asked myself during Black Lives Matter why we don't have Malcolm X's no more. Why we don't have polarizing people to lead people in the fight for change. Why doesn't that happen anymore? And I realized during that protest of 2020, the reason why is because as soon as somebody decides to lead or decides to do something, someone in the back is always yelling out, who asked you? No matter what. And now with social media, uh, People having YouTubes and podcasts and all these type of media sources to pretty much brand whatever they're selling. Now that that's out there, people have a louder voice depending on how many followers they have to basically ask you who asks you for your opinion. Even if your opinion is probably the greatest opinion in the world. And is backed by years of you grinding and making it happen. There's going to be always people yelling in the back of the fucking room. Who asks you for your opinion? And that's why people like Malcolm and Martin and um, I can name a bunch of people. That's why they don't exist anymore. That's why. And back then when you got followers, you really got followers. You didn't just get people just click a link on Instagram to follow you. No, you had people who followed you physically, who came down and listened to you speak to the masses. You had people. You had people who went to every speech that you had to say. Even if you said the same thing over and over and over, they came down and supported you because they actually followed you. That's the difference between back in the 60s and now. People are less likely to really follow you outside of doing the small work of clicking the button follow. And a lot of people don't want to hear your voice because they're going to strip you apart and they're going to judge you. And the government with Pro and all of those, they have made it popular for people to do that. To judge the character who's speaking instead of the message. Because when you judge the message only, you can unite people faster. You can get people on the same page quicker. If you look at the messenger, well, a man, a messenger is flawed. Some messengers are fat. Some messengers are skinny. Some messengers are cheaters. Some messengers are faithfuls. Some messengers are Muslim. The messages are Christian. But when you look at the man, you could pull out all their flaws and, and you could use that to fucking cloud whatever he's saying out of his mouth. And America has just became that now. So yeah, we don't have any leaders anymore. There's no more black leaders. There's no there's nobody because they're told they told us that man is supposed to be perfect to lead. And that's why we have organizations. Like Black Lives Matter. Where you don't even know the people who's running it. And what they did. They ciphered millions 
of dollars out of people's pockets, corporation pockets, out of everything. They took so much. Black Lives Matter took so much fucking money away from, you know, average people. And they never gave it back to the black community. Never gave it back. Millions of dollars. Gone. How did they do that? And in the defense to them, well, it's not one face. There's multiple faces that took that money. Multiple people who took that money and brought houses and gained wealth. It is what it is. But yeah, I think that's one of the issues I'm gonna come I'm bringing it in. People got mad at Kim Kardashian for saying that. Is because she's Kim Kardashian. Not because of the message. I mean, I've heard that same message on thousands of Instagram fucking videos on motivation. I've heard that message forever. Get up and work. Grind, 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 grind. Even her sister, after that clip, her sister said, uh, never be the smartest person in the room. I've heard that shit so many times. Never be the smartest person in the room. That is a true fact. All business people say that shit. Because you either dumbing yourself down or you're not feeding your potential of what you can become because you have no one to look at. You have no one to measure yourself to. Business people have been saying that shit since the beginning of time. I think what happened in this case, I think Kim Kardashian wasn't even talking to the average woman. She's talking to the woman that lives in L.A. That wants to do social influencing. That's who she's talking to. She's talking to the wannabe social influencers. And she's talking to the people that's of her level. That's trying to figure out how to make it on a global scale. And the amount of work that she does. And she does work a lot. And I know she does. She's saying, if y'all want to be mean, y'all keep on asking me, get your fucking ass up and work. See, I don't see nothing wrong with what she said because I'm able to read between the lines and I know who she's talking about. She's not talking about the woman who's fucking busting her ass, standing on her feet all day long. She's not talking about that woman. She's not talking about the woman who just had a baby and now the baby, whatever the case may be, she got to, the, the lady got to leave her baby. For nine, ten hours out of the day and go to work to provide for that baby. She's not talking about that woman. No, she's talking about the avocado and toast eating bitches in LA. That's who she's talking about. The ones who want something for nothing. And they don't even want to try to get rich. No, these bitches are already born into wealthy family. They don't even want to try to get rich. They want to find out ways of how they can never, ever work again. And that's the truth. So, you know, when it comes to work, you know, you're talking to someone who works a lot. When it comes to work, one of my flaws is that I don't tell people how much I work or I don't show people how much I work. 95% of my work is done in the dark. 5% is done in the light. And it's when I'm showcasing my work. It took me a year to start this podcast. I just popped up and said, yo, I got a podcast. But I didn't show nobody how long it took me to craft this podcast or the first episode of Octopus and Rollout. I didn't tell nobody how long it took me. Me picking up jobs, and I did explain in the podcast, me picking up an extra job 
at Amazon. Me doing wild shit, pushing myself to the limit to get this shit started. And not knowing what I needed to talk about. It took me a long time to get to episodes the way I wanted or the way I visioned myself. Having a co-host and then that shit falling apart. All of that that I talked about throughout the podcast, throughout the year, it took me a while, right? And that's all hard work, but I didn't show nobody. Because I'm so in love with the process. See, I love my process more than I love my product. My process is my everything. It's my time where I'm bonding and I'm getting to love myself and I'm loving whatever I'm doing in that process that I'm working on. That's when I love them days, them long, tired, hard work days. I oh, I just get off on them. But when I get the certificate, the degree, the uh, the praise or the new job or uh, the promotion or whatever I'm doing, eh, I don't even be happy. People be like, yo, you don't even look happy. But they don't understand I was happy. During the process. Because I don't give no I don't give no power to the product. Because sometimes when you give power to the product, there's people in charge. They want to take that product away from you. When they don't like the way you look, they don't like how you sound or your attitude. They threaten to take that product away from you. So I'd rather love the process instead to protect my own happiness. I just got to a point where I'm noticing how social media, how everyone posts a part of their work. If if you go on Instagram, you see so many people working out on Instagram with motivational speeches behind their workouts. They're constantly showing people, hey, look at me. But my favorite person is the fat guy. That go to Planet Fitness at midnight and he's working his ass off. That's my favorite guy. And that's who I see myself as. So that's one of my flaws, but it's one of my good things about me, right? It's who I am. But it's a flaw in today's time period. Because no one believes the work unless they see you doing the work. That's just the way these people are today. And I have to either... Update myself Or I have to learn how to be transparent Just a little bit To give off as if I'm showing you the behind the scenes You go on Complex They they post Euphoria, BTS Behind the scenes Since when shows ever posted The behind the scenes content of any show Never Never But in this era we're living in, everyone posts the behind the scenes. Because they want to give off the illusion that you can do what they're doing. But the truth is, we all can't do it. I understand where Kim was coming at. You got to be able to work. And And the road to getting things done is hard. It's long. I'm a full time student, I work nine hours. I get up at 5 a.m. in the morning, every fucking morning, Monday through Sunday. Not a day I don't wake up at 5 a.m. And I start my day. Whether it's fucking listening to media or watching media, 
going on social media. I'm posting more. I'm on social media more now than ever. Because I realize I have a podcast. I have a business here. And not only that, this business that I'm running here is my internship that I'm doing for myself. I'm not going to a company asking for an internship to get a little bit of pay and a little bit of experience. No, I'm getting the raw experience right now of running my own media platform. And some days it's hard. Some days I talk to my friends and they call me, people call me, and they some days people call me with problems. And sometimes I want to stop them. I want to ask them like, yo, do you know what day I record my podcast? You calling me to talk about your problems. Do you know how much work I've done today? But you want to add your stress onto my plate. When did I film my podcast? When did I do my homework for school? You don't even know because you don't care. All you care about is me picking up the phone or giving you advice. That's all you care about. Hearing your problems because some people, they call you, they don't even want to, they don't even want you to give them advice. They just want you to hear them. But my question to them is, when have you seen me do what I have to do? I live on the West Coast. I wake up at five o'clock in the morning and I start my day. Because I got to be up before the stock market. Because if I wake up at 9 o'clock on the West Coast time, I already miss three hours of business making on the East Coast of finance. The game don't stop because I'm asleep. I got to continue to keep on working. This is just a part of my journey. And I'm saying this because I want people to... To, to get out of the thing that they have to be compensated for the work that they do. You don't. Sometimes you're going to do work and no one's going to pat you on your back. No one's going to do anything for you. Sometimes you have to learn how to work for free. And that's part of the game and that's part of making it. Some days it's going to be hard. Some days it's going to be long. It's going to be cold. And some days you're going to pay for being ignorant. But that's just a part of the game. See, Kim, she's talking to a, a, a type of person. Even though she generalized it, she's talking to a, a small type of person. But there's a bunch of people that got 10,000 followers that's trying to do what she's doing. They're trying to get the fashion over deals. The Rihanna Fenty. They're trying to do all of the things that she's doing on a smaller level. And I think that a message kind of applies to them too. Anyway. I'm out. Peace. You're tuned to Don FM.